podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. As you know, the best Star Trek podcast in the history of anything ever. Probably. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I am not your daughter. Ugh, yeah. Not your daughter. Don't bring me back my daughter. So am I. Mmm, yeah. Anyway. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Good to be here. Glad we're we're transmitting on normal frequencies. Things have been busy in the Patreon. Hey, if you're a patron, I was gonna save this for later, but I'll do it now. Oh, exciting. Make sure you're at the level you're supposed to be at. Patreon's been like bumping people this way, that way. Just so you know, we're not behind. There's Voyagers, there's Enterprises. They're all sitting there. If you don't see a podcast you should have access to, let us know. And check what level Patreon put you at. Now that's smart. Not that's out of the way. Now let's do the number two thing everyone loves when we do, which is to polls. That's right. <laughs> we have a we have a long to poll today. If it's important to you to know the thoughts of the crew, you gotta take it to poll. If a marshmallow tip makes you wonder what if, you gotta take it to poll. Take a So, hey, what is this to pull? This one, there's got a lot of different stuff here. We're going to start with the last episode, uh, which was season two, episode 13, Armageddon Game, and uh, and the Andy rankings. Uh, you and I, Matt, gave it a collectively a 4.75. I get it a 4.5, you get it a 5. Let me just remind people that that was when O'Brien and Bashir helped rid two races of their biological weapon. However... Both governments want to ensure no technical knowledge of the weapon can survive. That's exactly right, Matt. Right, good. good good summation. More concise than even a Nemechek, one might argue. Much more. Um, uh, IMDb gave it a 7.4, way higher. I don't oh, know wow. what episode they were watching. I mean, look, Although, they're, just, they're just into the Bashir O'Brien of the, it all. The bromance. They were just excited about the beginning of the bromance. Definitely. And uh, our Patreon crew... Gave it a 6.5 based on 91 votes. Majority voted for 7, 32%. Uh, So even a little bit higher than that. There's some shippers out there. I get it. I guess that is what drives it, huh? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm sort of like, you know, whatever. Put that up. Um, but here's some interesting mid-season DS9 stats from uh, our statistician, Tristan Luther Robbins. Um, this is up through 13. Matt's average. Do you want to guess your average? For Deep Space Nine episodes so far? For Andy's. Through season two or just season two so far? Good question. I think it's just this season. Oh, that's a good question. Tristan, you got to make that clear. It's not clear. It says mid-season DS9 stats up to episode 13, episode 13 but it doesn't say if that's 
entirely or this season? I think it must I, be entirely. If I had to guess, entirely, 4.7. A five point four. You're not okay. four off. All right. All My right. average is five point seven, slightly higher, but about the same. Joint TNC five point five. Patreon average five point eight. Um, and IMDb is seven point one. IMDb likes it much much more than we do so far. <laughs> um, and the MVC leaderboard top three. You want to hmm. guess? I would probably say it is. Cisco, Kira Odo. Cisco, Kiro, Kira Odo. Uh, you couldn't be more wrong, Matt, and Great. I am shocked myself. Let's hear it. Bashir num- oh, is a six yeah. votes. No, that's that's that feels right. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Dax next with also six votes. That seems crazy. I understand. Kira with three votes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the MVC. Wait a minute. So that's this. And season. the stats overkill, which Andy under no obligation to summarize. Overall MVC leaderboard. Oh, so this is. Wait, no. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, so this is just. This must be leaderboard for this season. And then there's an overall leaderboard that is slightly different. Um, but uh, I just want to note that uh, Tristan made uh, put these little cute emojis for each of them, uh, each of the people. So for Dax, he put a little caterpillar. For Kira, he put a uh, uh, a boxing glove. He's Brevity knows no Andrew. No, I know. And Bashir, <laughs> what do you think Bashir's is? Uh, a nurse. It's the that's a good guess. It's a, the little squash that people usually use for a dick. Um, or is, eggplant. What is it? That's an eggplant. Eggplant, eggplant. Come on. But not a squash. Um, so the overall uh, leaders, leaderboard, uh, Kira's 12 votes, Bashir's 10 votes, Dax's 10 votes, still top top three. This is shocking to me. O'Brien, 10 votes. Oh, wait, he's also 10 votes. So I guess he's just not in, the, he's not in this for this season. Odo, five votes. Cisco five votes, Jake two votes, mm. Melora two votes, Nog two votes, and Quark two votes. Garrick one vote, Rom one vote. Okay, it's very interesting. Um, that's it for the polls. Cool, cool, cool. I don't have a poll closer, but uh, I will welcome us all to the Admirals Club. Thank you for voting in polls. Hey, it's the Admirals Club. It's a place where anybody who writes a five-star review, hey, anywhere, uh, and sends us proof of said review, you're in. And Andy might read it on the show. What do we got today? We got Pat is not fat, mm-hmm. um, who uh, sends in this uh, review, Admiral, Admiral commenting, whatever, Dar mocking me. Matt and Andy with microphones and time. Quark, his lobes open. Seven of nine, her eyebrow raised. Riker, his beard grown. Captain Crandall in Act Six with guns blazing. Geordi, alone with warp coils, his hand open. Jellico and Roe at Risa with sails unfurled. That's it. Five stars. I still can't get over what a fucking waste of screen and dialogue time Captain Crandall was. It's shocking. Like, it's like anytime you're in a writer's room and someone, you're going, we can lose this because we never, this is just a, we're never going to reference this again. I mean, it's like, (laughs) even if, 
I remember there was an episode of Game of Thrones. I don't know if I've discussed this before, where they had a big battle and then they they lost a lot of their budget and so they had to cut it, which was actually played out fine. But then they had to fill it. So they, that's if you remember, there's a big drinking scene with Tyrion and his uh, his sex worker and uh, and I don't remember who the third guy it was. Uh, Braun, I think, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it's just them chatting the whole time and talking, and playing drinking games. Sure. Even if that's what you were doing, why would you write this dialogue? <laughs> like it has nothing to do with anything. All right. We're talking about Picard, obviously. Season one, so you know. Hey, head over to okay. the Patreon. <laughs> you want to listen to that? Or not? It's, not <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of complaining <laughs> over there on Patreon. Uh, Mike, not a snitch, uh, sends in this uh, review. Never identified with podcast hosts this much before. I've been listening since episode three and love Matt and Andy. Why is it taking me so long to write a review? Like Matt and Andy, I had every good intention of writing one, but, well, I have the same follow-through as the hosts do on most things. Understood. What made... What made the difference? A fellow listener snuck me into the Admirals Club so I would keep my mouth shut even though I am not a snitch. I got a taste of that virtual shrimp platter and I had to have more. Five stars. I mean, it's a real shrimp platter. It's just replicated shrimp. Yeah. Come on. Is it as good? Uh, That's in debate. Is it filling? Uh, Probably. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's filling. Yeah. Uh, Ben from Stafford. This is the final one. Says the greatest Star Trek podcast I have to leave. Sorry. Let me, re- re- let me, I, I screwed it up. The greatest Star Trek podcast I have time to leave a review for. Um, <laughs> Matt and Andy talk about Star Trek the way I would have talked about Star Trek if I had any friends who watch Star Trek. <laughs> uh, I had ankle surgery in June and decided to rewatch The Next Generation while I recuperated, and I listened to several different episode-by-episode episode podcasts before settling on TNC because the humor and silliness blended so well with Trek Insight. Having finally completed listening to the entire catalog, I now feel qualified to enter the Admirals Club (laughs) and confirm that this podcast is indeed worthy of five stars. Well, thank you very much. We're glad to have you. I really appreciate your ankles back. I was just saying I'm happy you think. Yeah, good luck on your recuperation. No. Um, It's done. It's done. I'm vision boarding his ankle back into perfect shape um i'm i'm happy how many people sort of write in and say that they sampled the other ones to support your insane claim about our podcast i look i've i've heard star trek podcasts <laughs> i just can't look maybe i haven't listened to enough i can't imagine where the best how never, is that even possible i've never <laughs> subscribed to one or listened again <laughs> this I at least would go like, eh, hey, all right. right. It's it long, like you know. It's long enough where I feel like I'm getting more bang for my no buck. <laughs> oh, you're definitely getting that. You know what I mean? Is it like your YouTube things where you? Yeah, probably. Watch it? Yeah, yeah, right. Got it. Yeah, uh, that's it. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather listen to a three hour thing than a, than a forty five minute thing. All right, let's go into the president's circle. Okay. <laughs> the president's circle welcome everyone this is uh well this is where our best patrons those who support the show at the president's circle level uh they get not only do they get 
priority one messaging, like the other lieutenants, but they also have the chance of winning the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, which is a fake award Andy gives to some comments he enjoys. This week, it goes to our old friend, uh, Great and Terrible Lizak, who says, uh, in regards to the last episode, better ending to this episode would be Keiko bringing Miles a coffee in sickbay. Him saying, uh, I heard you told Cisco I don't drink coffee in the afternoon. And her replying, well, I had to come up with something to make him go save you. Which is true. Hmm. That would be like manipulative Keiko. I don't like it. You don't like that? You think that's Although, you know what? That's better than I don't know my husband at all. <laughs> Which, yeah, either way. <laughs> it's really Liz throwing. Heck, I apologize. Yours, yours is better. Doing that character dirty. Uh, now we can enter the priority one messages proper. Great. Here we go. Captain, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Eric Peebles says, both sides had this, quote, deadly biological weapon, but the war raged for centuries. How deadly was it really? <laughs> um, and then Andrew Jackson adds to that, There's, these seem to be like fairly ineffectual biological weapons. They're not contagious. They take days to kill, and it is apparently easily curable. Meanwhile, nobody's worried about the hidden device that can vaporize a f- room full of people. Odo confirmed they exist. It's they true. Do, it's true. They do really throw that in. Just like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that, that we have. Yeah, that thing vaporizes that we'll... uh, organic tissue, just no, but also clothes, just the clothes they're wearing, right down mm-hmm. to the boots, not the boots that are touching the rug. Like, like I'd, I'd buy it more if there was like two foot shaped holes in the floor. Uh huh. Because you vaporize everything that that being was touching. Like it couldn't be that it's not. Otherwise, that I, I'd prefer to. I, I I would like to see it like the Rapture, where like just a bunch of empty uniforms on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> a Rapture device would be a great villain device. Sure. Um, Lieutenant Tess says it seems strange to blame them as a cover up. Maybe they should have asked the Federation to send the people they hate the most to help them. Also, shouldn't all the leaders have had to kill themselves as they had a lot of knowledge of the weapons and how they worked? I think this was something I might have mentioned. If not, I definitely agree with you. I They're politicians. They don't know how things work. Right. That's it. Because they weren't... Uh, theoretically, you could head cannon. Well, they weren't in the room when they were talking about all the stuff. All the technical details. Uh, Tess also says, I know lots of people hold Dax's acceptance of Bashir as proof that he's harmless, but I really hate how the writers constantly do this to Dax. The whole bit about the medical journals is so dumb and making Dax not acknowledge how narcissistic and straight up weird it is never, just weakens her character. There is a mild redemption in that she admits she never read him. I get incel vibes from whoever is writing this sort of stuff. <laughs> That's seemingly the entire staff. Yeah. And then Wendell Kimper uh, adds to that. Uh, yeah, I take it as more as proof that Dax is 300 years old and has been a man several times. I think this is a really good explanation. It's less he's harmless and more she's so far beyond being able to be harmed by him that she sees him as a puppy humping her leg. But that really doesn't work when the show exists in a world where the women are expected to put up with this bullshit, don't hold the power uh, that would make Dax's reaction land that way. As another podcast I love would say, oh, sweetie, were you written by a man? <laughs> um, 
know yeah. what podcast that is, but it's a funny line. Uh, Wendell, I think that's uh, the 300 years old and been a man several times is a great. I had thought of before that Dax is in general more like, eh, whatever, Ferengi, all these people having questionable behavior, whatever, it's kind of fun. Is was maybe based on the fact that she'd been, you know, alive so long and had so many different lives that some of her people were kind of partiers, some of her people were a little bit more dodgy, let's say. And so she understands all sorts of people. But I think it's even more on point that she has been a man several times. So she has her own uh, forgiveness for the flaws of the of the, the of that gender. Um, uh, which she possibly should not be, should not have. Um, Madoween says, uh, in regards to being the president, I'm the presider, still presiding. I'm the presider. Hmm. Andy Adams, CMO Shuttlecraft USS Janolin says, <laughs> after seeing all of DS9, when I hear the word bromance, these two are the images that pop into my head. There's even a supercut of their friendship as part of the last few scenes of What You Leave Behind. Rarely has Star Trek done so much to depict two regular dudes as best friends after Bashir's personality overhaul, that is. This episode is the start of that bromance, and I love it. I also think it was the start of Julian's transformation into what his character would become. I haven't looked into it officially, but I'd lay odds when Bashir's character started going from creepy harasser into a character with real depth was when Ronald D. Moore took over. Um, Matt seems... He's not sure on that one. Um, And can I say, I absolutely adore Rosalind Chow. The actress is wonderful in everything I've seen her in. I saw her... I first saw her in the last few... Oh, this is sort of a... uh, Sort of a spoiler for MASH, if anybody wants to skip ahead. (laughs) I saw her first in the last uh, few episodes of MASH's last season. uh, uh, Spoiler, Andy. Klinger's bride-to-be i didn't remember that that was her i'm glad you reminded me of that um i was a huge mash fan once i started looking into the character i think i understood her better she supported her husband and was proud of him being chief of operations but was very unhappy about having to live at the ass end of space in some broken down station it's like going from living on a luxury cruise liner to living on an oil platform in a cold war zone i love that she also calls out miles's racism in season two episode cardassians uh side note oh so part of my, I don't know if you were already aware of this, Matt. Part of my name change was some gentle ribbing of Matt. I had just finished listening to Relics, and he had absolutely had me howling in laughter when he got stuck on the whole Janolin starship slash shuttle thing. Uh, and he types, it's a full-size starship. You know, it's funny as I refrained this time from attacking the name again. Oh, funny. Interesting. I was like, I gotta shut down. I know Andy's under a time crunch. <laughs> uh, one of my hobbies is building scale model starships and I always hated that they never came out with that one uh, with one the Sydney class transport is one of my favorite design ships ship designs Do I mean it one? certainly is used quite a bit is that the it's the movie Which shuttle one? that I takes them to shuttle. space dock oh I like that one too <laughs> um uh, Matt's correct. I'm going to see. I'm eating more time by saying this. I'm going to see Liz Fair tonight. Oh, Dory's going f- too, I believe. Oh, she is. Yeah. How do you 
How do you? I guess if you're not going, then you will. Or did you allow her to, to go? Ask me to go to a concert. Not a concert fan. You've seen first of all. <laughs> you've seen a man at work. Yes. Or was it just Colin Hay? It was. Uh, it was. What was it? I guess it was Colin Hay. And you've seen um, your guy. Oh, I've been to thousands of concerts. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not your bag anymore. I'm just, I'm just somewhat, somebody has to stay home with Henry. Right. Right. In an effort to save some money. Right. Um, Rachel Patton. I'm a big Liz Fair fan. And most singer songwriter ladies. Um, Rachel Patton says, you know, good ones. Uh, while Bashir has his moments throughout the series, although someone debates some of my tastes. Uh, while Bashir has his moments throughout the series, I agree with Andy. Bashir is a creep. I think during the first episode of TNC DS9, when Bashir first appeared, Andy mumbled, this guy is an HR nightmare. And it's been stuck in my head ever since. Uh, laughing, uh, crying emoji sideways. I mean, I still think he's a good character and I appreciate how he develops, but at least once a season he does something so inappropriate that I marvel at him holding a medical license or whatever it is in the future. Maybe we could do it to poll at the end of DS9 to vote on the worst thing Julian does in the series. There's one thing in particular that I can think of, but I'm not spoiling it. I'm surprised that it's the worst thing is ahead. That doesn't bode well for Bashir. Is that your vibe? That the worst thing is ahead? Or you don't know? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. When was the last time you gave... When was the last time you gave this a watch? DS9, the first three seasons? Yeah. The mid-90s. The late 90s. Oh, there you go. But like season four and beyond, probably 2013, 14, around there. Yeah. Still a decade ago. Jesus Christ. That is a long time. I mean, that's why I don't remember that much of the Voyagers as we go through them, and they're always a nice surprise. Andrew Jackson uh, hails us. I'm catching up on Enterprise and Voyager episodes. You should check out our Patreon. Oh, you're already in our Patreon. Uh, and I'm about to, uh, about a year behind. Literally the last episode I listened to, Matt was saying how he watched The Phantom Menace nine times at the theater. Oh, that's and funny. Come... And it came up again. That's funny. Yep. Came up the same conversation. Cyclical. Yeah. I can't imagine. That's why I liked the end of Seinfeld. When they're, they're, they're sitting there and start having the conversation from season one, episode one. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, eventually you, you've run out of everything. You don't have anything else to say. <laughs> For sure. Well, particularly... Well, I mean, I guess all friendships are just constant talking, but we sit down, we hit, we talk around the same sort of subjects. So I cannot imagine someone should keep a tally of uh, how many times we repeated each other, repeated ourselves. My brain isn't working today. I'm only thinking about Liz Fair, guys. Neil Studd, aka Norris's Pieces, says the quark drinks on the house scene should have ended with Kira and Dex discovering that the drinks were water. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like water still costs something. Oh, that's a good question. Does water cost anything in space? It's got to be hard to get it there. Or do just the machines make it? 
Cork can't, I guess he probably would say, yeah, but our replicators make a better water. Mm. David S., the homework-stealing Vulcan, says, pause in the pod, hey, fellow eggheads, to say, what a weird coincidence that Andy would say that Matt is under Mercury in retrograde when there was a whole runner on Excellent Adventure about the same thing. Dory found that Mercury was not in retrograde and Matt was having his own matrograde to explain his being out of sorts. Just thought that was neat. Back to the show. <laughs> um, Lizak also says, Head Cannon Roulette is my favorite new game. I don't remember how we structure Head Cannon Roulette, but it's a great, it's a great phraseology. Um, and also, I really like that the aliens had such a radically different morality and view of what it was of what was justifiable in the name of peace. It was also a nice twist that both species were in on it together. Possibly it would have been better if their own scientists had been in on it. That would have made it a little less like, yeah, sometimes generals and politicians do shady shit and more like an entire culture with a different set of accepted ethics. Um, too boldly Joe Moore hails us Keiko's like the wife in airplane staring into space thinking Miles isn't it has a Miles never has a late cup of coffee at home <laughs> probably stepping on all your jokes today guys my apologies Um, although you were just you know, parroting a airplane joke so um, Chart Carbuncle says regarding all the loose threads that aren't quite red herrings I don't remember what it was in that episode of something with Cisco I suspect the intention is to show how many plates Cisco and company have spinning at any, any given time the drama of the week is only one of the many crises unfolding on the station as consumers and in your case as writers of media we're conditioned to look for meaning in everything so it ends up seeming disjointed and weird on the other hand it does sometimes seem like we're seeing vestiges of earlier drafts that become dead ends uh, a la our Crandall conversation at the beginning I think I can accept tangents as long as they're interesting or entertaining in and of themselves mm-hmm. um, like they seem like they have a purpose but independent of that uh, I would like to know why things are in there. They don't all have to be like driving the story forward, but they seem seem like they should have some purpose. Does that seem right? I mean, I guess everything should have some purpose. Amy G, aka Q, the lights says who are these people who come who are these people who come to love Bashir do they exist I mean he he does get better but it's starting to get starting from a pretty low bar I never put him in my fave characters of DS9 list um, Wendell Kimper uh, then responds some of us are cursed with terrible taste in men did you see uh, him in that weird racquetball outfit? <laughs> I do not want to be attracted to him, but when he gets one little taste of character growth, sigh, the bar is on the ground, and he just trips right over it. Reasonable explanation. Were you were you stirred at all by 
Bashir in his racquetball outfit. Uh, I love a sinewy doctor, so yeah, obviously. He's very sinewy. Where does Riker empty his spit valve? Uh, held us. Uh, theory. Bashir is a virgin. He talks about that ballet dancer he allegedly dated and how she has, quote, beautiful feet. But anyone who does ballet or dance can tell you the feet get mangled. They're the stuff of nightmares. So either he's really into deformed body parts, possibly, or he's a virgin. I mean, I would say it's it's probably the, the deformed body parts thing because, you know, you don't want to double up on the Picard. Uh, it's a pretty good theory. theory. Um... He definitely, he definitely is thirsty like he has never had sex. <laughs> uh, also, I actually do love Bashir. It's not often you get a character on TV that looks like me. They say representation matters, and it really does. When most of the people on TV uh, that look like me are desert princesses or terrorists, it was nice seeing a doctor with friends and hobbies. That's why I also love Deanna's accent. Uh, she sounds like my mom. It was never weird to me. Uh, that's just how they sound. Makes me really happy to hear it even now. That's nice. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, representation is uh, is essential. And uh, <laughs> this is where you get into the problem of like, I guess he's an interesting character and in that he's a creep so far. <laughs> but that's not great representation. Um, but I agree with you. Um, Brian Hellman says, Quark should have said, I'm not a bad guy. Want to see my diary? (laughs) 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 It's a fit. It's such a a bizarre defense of like, look, look what my inner thoughts are. See all the things that I do don't matter. (laughs) Um, new nurse chapel, hate club party of one. says I like this episode because I too found a number of my closest friends extremely tiresome when we met I identify with (laughs) O'Brien they definitely wore me down through time and repeated school career based escapades true I was never infected with a harvester but I did have to go to a school dance on a boat once and the pain was definitely comparable school dance on a boat Love it. How many of your friends would you say you're tiresome? You find found tiresome at the beginning. What percentage, Matt? Zero. Zero. I'm very you quick. Like I'm very beginning. quick from the hip on judging a person, uh-huh. and then sticking with that judgment uh-huh. in and defiance, then, and then almost always being correct. Uh huh. So. Almost always be incorrect? No, almost always be incorrect. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, do you, in the middle of the friendship, kind of develop a little bit more uh, of a tiresome t- quality? Or you just, you feel like you're good? You, after you make your decision, that's it. It's all, it's all good. I don't understand what you're asking. Do I find my friends tiresome? I mean, the In tone general? right now would suggest you find them tiresome sometimes. <laughs> Only when the red light's on. <laughs> the red light? The red oh, light. the red light. Oh, this is just your persona? Is that what you're claiming? <laughs> or you're just saying because it's there's extra pressure that it's uh, causing it? I'm just... 
move along. Bishop, half level right, <laughs> says, <laughs> I don't know how to walk away from that conversation. Uh, I love DS9, but they never got the Miles Keiko relationship right. It always felt like they were being written by single guys who never had a long term relationship. You guys are writers. How do you approach writing couples? Well, I mean, you got to be careful. Certainly not to. I mean, it depends. I mean, sitcoms are different. Sitcoms are always going to be someone. Someone's going to be nagging someone. Well, this is sort of the problem. Is that like, particularly in comedy shows, a lot of it's built on conflict. So, you know, you got to have two different points of view. Probably someone's going to be a little bit less right. Otherwise, it's not that funny. Right. So, and I think that's where you get the 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 easiest down the middle classic like idiot guy nagging lady. And it's like generally, it's like you try not to do any one color too much, but also in a sitcom, that's where the comedy is in that one color. Um, but I would say, uh, yeah, I would say generally you, you try and look for the truth of it. Um. And I think that shouldn't lead you too far astray. Uh, Tristan adds to Tristan Luther Robbins adds to it. Uh, great take. The dynamic is clearly written from the perspective of single dudes. Miles as the affable everyman. Keiko as the hectoring wife. Whilst I like both characters, the dynamic is pretty iffy from time to time. Uh, you know, Tristan, I would agree with you about Keiko, their general portrayal of Keiko. But I kind of feel like they they portray O'Brien as sort of equally kind of like ticked off most of the time. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Um, I think their perspective is not that they're a bad couple, though. I think their perspective is just like, hey, some couples are just uh, fighty. I, well, I think it's Star Trek's first, and it is, it obviously is, it's Star Trek's first couple, married couple, that they've had to write. Right. So, it's interesting to see how, like, I'd, I would have liked to have seen how it was how Gene would do it. Right. My guess is similarly. That's actually probably true, even though he was married. Um... Had something else to say, but I don't remember what it was. But it was so smart. Yeah, oh, I know. Boy. It was really smart. We all actually talked about it. We talked about how smart that thing was going to be. Yeah. Um, Harry Romero. I don't know if that's your real name, Harry, but it's a great name. Unless that's a pun somehow and I'm missing it. Um, says, biggest continuity error in any Star Trek episode ever when Keiko says O'Brien doesn't drink coffee late in the afternoon. Go back to season six, episode seven, Rascals, at about 11.30. O'Brien and little Keiko are clearly shown drinking a cup of coffee late in the evening. Boom. <laughs> Good job, Harry. You did it. Um, that's it for the priority one messages. Keiko must have some collective brain drama we don't know about. Like some weird amnesia from the Rascals period. Uh, yeah, that does it. What'd you say? That does it for those hails. Mm-hmm. For the priority one messages. Gotcha. Great. Captain, Captain we are being hailed. 
Um, these, uh, this hell bag uh, only has voice hails. Hmm. Please, uh, let's let's hear from. I like uh, it. That's like a fun different new people. thing you're doing. I mean, it's not a choice. That was what was there. Here we um, go. What am I playing first? Play Joe. Hey guys, Joe from South Dakota here. Uh, first off, I would love if I could get just just him responding to me. Just yeah, Joe. Okay, yeah. Okay, Joe. Yeah, you're right. I would I would love that so much. That would be my prized possession. Um, the other thing is <laughs> what does that, he need? Uh, I lost my train of thought because okay. it's lit at night here, and I'm driving home from a karaoke show. So I've <laughs> Hang on, I've got a lot of things to ask. Kinda, I don't think right now. Wait a second, he went to a karaoke show where he would watch people perform karaoke? I have to assume he meant... I don't think going so. To... Oh, I hope not, Joe. That is a waste of time if you're just going to watch people... That sounds like a South Dakota special. <laughs> Anyway, you gotta say yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah, I Joe. Get it. Come on, Joe. I get it. I know, Joe. <laughs> Look, you don't want to sing. I get it. I don't like singing that much either, Joe. I enjoy the uh, the aspect. I can tell. I can tell what you're like after you've had a few, Joe. That you uh, you come out swinging and then you lost your way. <laughs> it's really entertaining. I lost my train of thought because it's uh, lit at night here, and I'm driving home from a karaoke show. So I've been listening to pounding speakers in my brain, and I've kind of—I don't think right now. Interesting. I, pounding speakers. But I love listening to you guys on my way home late at night, like two thirty-three in the morning. Nice. You guys are awesome. So even if I Thank don't you. remember what I was actually calling to tell you guys, I appreciate you guys for being my nice, easy listening, quiet, shitty, not Peter, not not crappy P, uh, NPR stuff to listen to. You guys are awesome. Well, we certainly try not to put anyone to sleep with those NPR, NPR tones. I don't know. If you need to crap on NPR, though. I think you do. Uh, then we have one from... I mean, I'm, uh, I'm firmly against Ira Glass. I mean, if you ask me. Uh, do you hate Ira Glass? Uh, snooze Fest? Oh, wow. Oh, coming out swinging. <laughs> We've had these discussions before, but I... Have we about Ira Glass that you hate Ira Glass? Most, uh, NPR produced podcasts are like yeah. so snoozy to me. My issues are only with like wait, wait, don't tell me, and Garrison Keillor and things that purport to yes, be funny. Yes, those are the ones. And that yes, bother me. I hate them. Uh, but the regular, you know, whatever news and information. News is fine. Like NPR and, news is great. I don't have a problem with uh, this American life. I anyway, do. Damien from Brisbane. I'm let's hear what our old friend has to say. Hey Andy, hey Matt, Damien from Brisbane, Australia. Loving the podcast as always, although I'm ringing to pick one phone that annoys the absolute shit out of me. Andy, when you're reading things, we don't need the fucking emoji description. Do Thank you. Honestly, the description of smiley face with a holding up a <laughs> cup of coffee, I don't care. We don't, that's for you. When you read it, the person's done that to illustrate their emotive state to you. When you read it back, you can relay that emotive state by using the timber and tone <laughs> and cadence in your voice. You don't need to describe the emoji on the actual email. I love this guy. Anyway, that's me having a rant, wondering if Matt feels this way or anyone else feels this way, or if you've had this feedback before, or if I'm indeed alone and irritated in a solitary way. All right, 
Damien from Brisbane, Australia, signing off, angry face, giving you the bird. <laughs> Damien from Brisbane, there's only one way to find out. No, Damien, you're not alone. I support you entirely. In fact, I, <laughs> well, said, something, I said something about it earlier on this episode. As we know, we have to figure out what the majority thinks, Matt, so I'm going to have to run it to poll Before on it. what? What do you mean? Before we can Before determine what? what the majority thinks. You're not going to change for anybody. I'll change. If the majority votes it down, I won't do it again. I'm All happy right, then to run that to poll. All right, there you go. I'm a people pleaser. Um, you know, except for the parts of my personality I can't change. There's nothing you can do about those things. Uh, and then, uh, you know what? Uh, maybe we were maybe we were too hard on our old friend Joe. So let's hear from him again in Dakota too. <laughs> hey guys, Joe from South Dakota here again. Uh, real quick, wanted to, wanted to say something about the uh, characterizations of Bashir and um, Keiko. You got to remember, it was 1993, 1992, or no, it was probably 1995, 96, somewhere in that area. But still, it's the 90s were we got we went a long ways in the 90s, but we still weren't there. There had to be the the nagging wife character, and we had to have that uh, that 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 cool guy Lothario, who was supposed to be like a watered down version of Kirk and Bashir. It's well, hang on, that's a, that's not what Bashir is. Yeah, Bashir has so far, as far as we've seen, Bashir has struck out every time. <laughs> so he's just annoying. <laughs> yeah, they were the tropes of the time. So kind of judging them by the standards of today, 30 years later, is, is kind of a bit harsh. Yeah, Bashir is kind of a kind of a goofball character, but for 1996, 95, somewhere in that area, it's that was kind of how cool guys are not cool guys. But, uh, <laughs> that was that was the, the, the trope, Hugh Grant. Think like Hugh Grant. A lot of those 90s rom-coms. I don't think they're going for that. Cool bags, but we're supposed to was supposed to like him, feel sorry for him, empathize with him. You're thinking so, about it, later, it, Hugh Grant. Those characterizations are just unfortunately a product of that weird 90s half misogyny, half trying to be progressive stuff. So, right. thanks, guys. You're thinking about the the Hugh Grant after he took the turn after after his his scandal in his persona because early four weddings and a funeral level uh, Hugh Grant that was that was all sort of dorky harmless romance and I they are not going for that with Bashir as far as I can tell <laughs> I kind of think to Matt's point I think he's kind of right that they're they're kind of going for failed Kirk someone who wants to be Kirk but isn't I mean it is what it is <laughs> strong stance uh, and then the last what is one the wrong is from, stance to say that it is. I didn't say is. wrong stance. I said strong stance. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it it's how you can't. You know, it's part of the fun of this is like looking at it thirty years later. You know. Yeah. Um, and the last hail, interestingly, also from Australia. But he doesn't specify the uh, the area. Hello, Matt and Andy. This is Daryl calling from Adelaide, Australia. Oh, With regards to the DS9 episode Armageddon game, I'll keep it brief. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I knew that was Adelaide. Really, that was weird. <laughs> by the shortness, by the uh, Jason, our deep member, our DP from 
Goldberg's. Same accent. Really? He's from Adelaide? Yeah. Oh, and you can tell just by the accent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Uh, I'm supposed to have lunch with him. I see him two or three times a week at a golf course. So, Oh, maybe I'll just do that with you guys. Yeah, we'd rather you didn't. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> maybe I'll just follow along behind you. <laughs> uh, so that uh, does it for the hails. Hails are done. That was yeah, we it? have one pri- a couple prime correctives. Oh, okay. I mean, I think prime correctives are in the hail bag, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I, how do you want me to handle it? Yeah, there's still, still, let's go, prime corrective. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yes, that's true. Time for a retrospective, because truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective, because Matt Andy got it wrong. Sante Mastriana uh, says this is actually a corrective on a hail. Matt and Andy did not get this wrong. Odo's rank is not constable. He's chief of security on the station. He says that people call him constable as a term of endearment. That's why Dr. Moore comments that he's surprised Odo tolerates it. Hmm. Um, yeah, also like O'Brien's chief. You can't. Sorry. There's only one chief. Well, he's saying he is the chief security officer. Yeah, I know, but you can't run around calling him chief. I see, I see. So that's why they call him constable. I got you. Um, And then Mike Romeo Lima says, uh, pedant alert in the to poll for the alternate, a plurality of voters chose six Andes, not a majority. Hmm. Thank you. Hmm. Lieutenant Lima, that's it for the hails now. Now that's it. Oh no! Yeah, I gotta open up the hail bag again. Technically, I should have. I should have said it first. Uh, If you like, send us a hail. Send it to sdtncpod at gmail dot com. Please put the the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. Uh, If you'd like to send, uh, if you'd like to follow him on, on Instagram or on X. He's at Matt Myra. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. My Twitter is at Secunda. Our Instagram and Twitter account is at Star Trek TNC. And uh, please, let's hear let's hear from more of you. Eight one six Trek TNC is the voicemail number. That's it for the house now. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> what are you doing? Huh? What? We crossed many doors to many places Your hails made us think of all your faces So plug TNC in your little Borg node Let's talk about this week's episode This week's episode is Whispers And here's the description of Memory Alpha No, wait, actually what I do now is say that it was the 6th of February 1994 Andy, what was happening? We also forgot something else, Matt uh, Should they watch this episode? Yes, no, uh, great Yeah, go for it, it's too late now, you're gonna watch it <laughs> um uh I would say no, FYI. Um Matt, let's listen to the number one in Australia, which was Give It Up by Cut and Move. Cut and Move. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> 
It's like a salt and pepper. Literally. Oh, I know this. How do I know this? Uh, number one song in the U.S., All for Love by Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting. Number one song in the U.K., Things Can Only Get Better by Dream. Uh, number one alternative song, Loser by Beck. Number one movie, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Number one TV show that week, Home Improvement. Birth that week. I know birth. Uh, no, no one was born. <laughs> That's weird. Had a real children of men situation going on then. Uh, Death that week. Actor William Conrad from Canon. Uh, events. Blind melon singer Shannon Hoon is kicked out of the American Music Awards and is later charged with battery and assault for it. The Edward Munch painting The Scream is stolen. The uh, Time Magazine cover Outrage Over Crime. Lock him up and throw away the key. Okie dokie. I want to find out what else was going on in the Trek universe now. That's right. Elsewhere in Trek, everybody. Here we go. Elsewhere in Trek. Let's see what's out there. Engage. On February 7th, TNG aired Lower Decks, the episode in which an ensign's hard work and determination resulted in her being berated and pranked by Picard and Worf, <laughs> and ultimately assigned to a mission of no return. Uh, also, the Okuda chronology says that shortly before this episode, Spot got pregnant, and shortly thereafter, Nurse Ogawa got engaged. I don't know how long her wedding vows were, but I would take the under. <laughs> Because she doesn't have five lines, Matt. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really only said a couple of things. And they weren't going to pay her. It's funny. That's it. All right. Uh, what else is happening? Anything else? What else we do? <laughs> That's it, Matt. We can go into the thing. Move on. I, you know, I, try, I think Matt was trying to protect me and make it go faster. I was trying to go slower so that we didn't rob anything of anyone. And in the end, we sort of, uh, you know, it's about the same time as it usually is. 50 minutes is the short end. There's no way it's not going to be the same time it usually is. Yeah. It's just like water. It always finds its level, you know? It's Tales true. are always about an hour. Yeah. Uh, so Whispers was a teleplay by Paul Coyle and Michael Piller and a story by Paul Coyle, and it was directed by Les Landau. And here's what Memory Alpha says as its description slash logline. Upon returning from a mission to the Parada system, O'Brien begins to notice the crew acting strangely around him and suspects there may be some unknown influences at work. Hmm... Andy didn't like this one. I did. Thanks. I'm not sure. That does it for the show. We'll see you later. Computer set heading 410 Mark 32. Course laid in. Maximum warp. Engage. Time to put out a system. One hour, 14 minutes.
Open a new file, computer. O'Brien, personal log, start date 47581.2. I've got to try to set the record straight about the last 52 hours. I don't know who's going to hear this. I don't even know if I'll be alive by the time this log is recovered. I figure they'll be coming after me. If I'm right about this whole thing, they won't want me to warn the Paradas. He says... Coffee. Oh, can... Jamaican blend. First of all, I wonder what time of day it is he's having this coffee. Doesn't matter, though. This is a replica. He says if I'm right about this thing. He never really comes to any full conclusion, does he? Other than people are acting weird and fishy. And he's got to get away because they're clearly... No, his conclusion is that it is it has to do with the Parada. And an average to sabotage the talks. But that the whole... Everyone on the station is what... He doesn't have a theory. Like he knows he feels like there's a conspiracy, but he it's just like this is part of my problem with the episode. Just to as Iris Stephen Bear describes it, it's invasion of the body snatchers from the body snatchers' point of view. If they didn't know they were body snatchers, <laughs> which is brilliant. That is brilliant. Um, and I wonder how many times it's been done before. Um, I'm sure sometimes, but um. But it's a, it's a great concept. Part of my problem, though, is they're sort of... It's, it's a very careful episode. And they're trying to be so careful that they're not really having enough fun with the concept. So it's sort of just a, a slow build to him realizing stuff is wrong. And then... And then they don't do much with it. They don't... He doesn't find out he's a fake in enough time to grapple with that at all. Um, and and it's kind of like, it doesn't, you know, it's like these things where it's just sort of, it's like from the perspective of the monster, it's like, all right, well then there should be more threat or more activity or they got him boxed into a corner more. Even when he's like being chased and I guess... There, you know what? You know what? I guess the problem is that they have so much pity for him as this clone that doesn't know what's going on that it's kind of never that threatening. Well, it's interesting now knowing it, right? Like you think back to the scene with Keiko and Molly. Yeah, it's obvious that she's been briefed. Molly. That Molly and Keiko are, have been brief. They know that's well. I don't think Molly's been brief, but or maybe she has. She doesn't want to hug him. Uh, yeah. And they have to play cool and like go like, okay, I know this guy is a fucking pretend my husband. He doesn't right. know that. I have to play this like it's like crazy. Right. Like if you think back to the performances of everybody, it's interesting. And also, Jake, like I... Jake wasn't. Jake didn't know. <laughs> They don't tell Jake. Poor Jake. Because they don't think that he's going to interact with Jake. Uh-huh. Which Why I are they like afraid? A great, that's a great, like, that's a great loophole. That's a great, like, sort of, like, who wouldn't they tell? Because it's unlikely that, that O'Brien would come in contact with them or communicate with them. And also, 
wouldn't be weird if he had a conversation with. Why are they afraid when he's talking to Jake? What do you mean? What, Kira, when she sees him talking to Jake, immediately steps in. Because she's like, oh, fuck, we never told Jake. And what's going to happen? Because if they had told Jake, then it would be, they'd all be on the same page. They just don't want him to find out that he's a... But Jake doesn't know. Replicant. Right. So if Jake behaves differently than everybody else, that will arise suspicions. More suspicions. Do you understand? Uh I guess. Isn't Jake just going to act like Jake acts? If Jake is told, O'Brien is not Chief O'Brien, we're trying to figure out what's going on. The real Chief O'Brien is over here. Jake's going to stay away from that guy. So wouldn't it be better to not tell him as they didn't? No, it'd be worse. If they didn't tell him, he would just act like he always acts with O'Brien. Everybody yes, else were the ones... already suspicious. But that, that was because all the other people were screwing it up. Jake was the only one who didn't screw it up. Because he didn't know. He didn't screw anything up. I mean, I guess he screwed it up. On his part, there's nothing for him to screw up. I guess, all right, whatever. You're you're asking, I'm asking, why why would they have to tell Jake? The the brilliance, I thought, of this scene was that, of course, they wouldn't think to tell Jake. Yeah, I agree. I think that's And he interacts with Jake. And Jake's suddenly acting normal to Chief O'Brien because, for all intents and purposes, this is Chief O'Brien. Right. And he thinks he's Chief O'Brien. Right. And everybody who knows that he's not not Chief O'Brien is not acting like they would to Chief O'Brien. Right. And then you have Jake come in (laughs) and acts like Chief O'Brien, which makes the guy more suspicious. All right, I'm lost in what either of us is saying at this point. I understand the point, and I agree with it. I wish I could tell you who they are. See, he doesn't even know. Part of the puzzle I haven't figured out yet. And you don't figure out until you're about to die. None of this whole damn thing makes any sense. I mean, would would you have it be that they... That you know that he's a... Not O'Brien at the beginning? Not at the beginning. I don't I definitely like the build. I like the mystery uh to a certain point. But uh, as I feel like with a lot of I think especially DS9, but I think a lot of Star Trek in general, there's a point where after they introduce the premise, then the story kind of loses momentum. And um I feel like it happens in this episode. I think I was I was unfair for me to give a flat. You don't have to watch this, but I because I think it is a brilliant concept and brilliant and very unusual for them to approach it that way. I just feel like it's they don't do enough with it. It's like the whole thing is set up to kind of fool you, and then there's nothing that much more than that. Like there's no ish. There's no exploration of. You know, basically, it's, it's also ironic that we just watched a clone episode in Enterprise, um, continuing our synchronicity. Um, uh, and that was more about being a clone. What are your rights? What's your perspective on existence? 
etc. Um, and it kind of feels like this episode is almost a little bit more better set up to to do that because we think that's O'Brien. <laughs> we think we're seeing it from O'Brien's perspective. So it would have been maybe more interesting to then have that moment of realization of like, I'm not the real guy. Now what do I do? Don't go don't go near the parada, and then he'll be fine. Right? I don't know. Are they gonna like, let him live? His his Manchurian candidate thing doesn't activate until he's near them, right? Isn't supposed to. Yeah. So if so they then, just like send O'Brien on vacation. Yeah. He comes back, now we get two chiefs of operations. They share a wife, it's great. <laughs> get twice as much done. Yeah. You do them so early. Would you like um, a clone multiplicity style? So like, but like now, like this performance makes sense and is like interesting. To Coffee, me. Jamaican blend, double strong, double sweet. The Keiko performance. Yeah. Essays to read. Everybody's. Jeff, sweet dreams, darling. Go away. <laughs> Don't I get my morning kiss? No. So I deserve that. I feel like that has to. That's implying one of two things: either that Molly has a sixth sense, just senses it. It's probably that, huh? Yeah. But that's fucking weird. I mean, also Henry does that all the time. It doesn't that? That's not weird for a kid to do. <laughs> so just, just, just Molly being a kid, honestly. <laughs> uh, he O'Brien kind of reacts that way. He kind of reacts like. Well, that's that's weird, that but yeah, that, still, if, I guess if, that's if a Henry good did that when I was leaving the house or something, or it yeah. wouldn't wouldn't throw me It'd off. It would just be all. some weird decision the kid yeah. made that day. Yeah. Faye smiles. She doesn't mean it. Huh? Don't let it bother you. Keiko is doing a terrible job of acting normal around this guy. What time did you get to bed last night? I don't know. Late. I didn't want to wake you. I was tired. I guess that trip really took it out of me. What did they have you doing? The Paradas. They put me through basic training and all the security measures they want to place for the peace talks. Otto would have had a field day. I wish he could have been there. I better get going. Oh, she's like, talking my, about Odo. my husband would never want Odo to be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Eat drinking that coffee. Um, I'll take her on the way to Ops. Uh, that's okay. I'm taking her with me. Molly? Went to school? When you've got all that reading to do? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, there's something... It does when you've seen the episode. <laughs> I want to show her a, a Vulcan She's program not... that teaches basic problem-solving skills. Still a terrible job. Morning. I want to do it while her mind is fresh. <laughs> the kid's yawning. <laughs> I love it. If you say so. See you later. What was the reason they don't want to tip him off until they figure out where O'Brien is? I guess that's the idea. So they got to play along. Keiko was doing a terrible job playing along. I mean, here's here's what I think, honestly. Yeah. Bashir should just hypo-spray this guy. (laughs) Well, this is what I'm saying. Why don't they just... I I think there's some reason that they state in one of those last scenes that it's like, we couldn't... We needed to keep you activated to possibly lead to clues about where O'Brien was and or we didn't want to tip off the paradas. It was that. that. Yeah, I think it's that. Yeah. 
What's this? Just getting a head start, Chief. Head start? Everybody seems to be getting a head start on me today. Sir? To Curtis, I appreciate your bushy-tailed enthusiasm. But I was waiting for Odo to come back from Bajor to do this. We have to realign the entire security net for the peace talks. The constable might have a few things to say about it all. Commander Sisko didn't feel we should wait for Odo. Sisko gave you permission to start this without asking me first? I don't think so. You might want to check with him, sir. I'm only following orders. He looks like Fred Armisen. Uh, Mr. O'Brien. Carry on. <laughs> I think to Curtis. <laughs> I feel like DeCurtis doesn't know. <laughs> no, he definitely knows because no, he like lies DeCurtis, directly to him later. Like DeCurtis doesn't know. He definitely is. But they're playing just telling it. him what to do. No, because there's something later that where he lies to him directly, and then he walks away and then he the, goes. The, the thing being armed, yeah. So yes. Um. And so that says to me, DeCurtis is the fucking best liar out of all of them. All of them are acting fucking weird to O'Brien, except for DeCurtis. And my secret headcanon is DeCurtis is like, this is my fucking chance. Fucking O'Brien is constantly all over any problem. I never get a chance to shine. This is my <laughs> chance to fucking nail this. Make me chief of engineering. Sensors back toward the wormhole. Show what a great spy I Scan am. Scan for other warp signatures <laughs> in this heading. One section 31, here I come. He does <laughs> a fantastic job. He should be in section 31. I don't think DeCurtis ever shows up again. Lucky guy. They'll wait for me to drop out of warp and then... Well, we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it, won't we? Please restate question. Oh. Disregard, computer. You know what? Continue. Dax is super light in this episode. They should have just had that be Dax that did it. That did all the engineering in in his place. I mean, I understand that it's that more be, realistic. That would be weirder. Uh-huh. Isn't it weirder the way it is because it's not someone who outranks him? I guess it's just would it would have been just somebody else in engineering. I guess just for the purpose of the show, it's even more obtrusive that we're seeing this character that we've never seen before with a major part doing O'Brien's job. But less less weird when you remember that the previous O'Brien's previous team included religious zealot from Bajor, who's been arrested. Uh-huh. So you're like, well, they got to replace her at some point. Ooh, they got a Starfleet guy. <laughs> Stand. Only my birthday's not until September. And believe me, as it turned out, I had nothing else to celebrate. Ah, there he is now. Because something was going to happen that I was never going to quite figure out. Excuses? I'd like you in my office in an hour. For what? Your physical. Julian does a good job of lying. This isn't a good day. It's the perfect day. Commander Sisko has arranged to have you covered. What are you doing going to the commander about my checkup? Because this has been... I know how you feel about... Forget it. I've got things to do. I'm afraid I'll have to insist. If I have to order you as your superior officer, I will. Is there a problem? Mr. O'Brien says he's unavailable for a physical. Make yourself available, Chief. 
Commander, Dr. Bashir's annual report on the senior staff is due at Starfleet next week. We've all had to go through this. Fine. Dear Starfleet, Cisco put on three pounds. O'Brien's <laughs> been a little bit mean lately, and, uh, well, I'm great. Fine, I'll be there in an hour. Doctor, uh, I wanted to ask you, do you need to put that thing on about how I've gained three pounds? Commander, yes, Captain. It's, it's part of the physical, Commander. You know, everybody gets the height and weight done. It just feels like it's uh, yep. it's a minimal amount. Certainly you could say that I was still trim and I put on no no more weight. I, uh, couldn't you? Sorry, sir. They need to know everything that happens on the station. <laughs> Sorry for the orders. To you for Being really catty, Bashir. <laughs> Meow. Ensign Dakotis mentioned to me that you were a little upset. Well, not upset exactly. No, no, no. You have every right to be. I'm sorry I assigned him before advising you. I guess I dropped the ball on that one. Well, I guess I just felt a little left out of the loop, you know? <laughs> I like the idea that that maybe uh, Cisco, you know, keeps that as his, as his thing anytime he has to deliver bad news. Just like, well, we're going to let you go and uh, transfer you to another station. Uh, I should have told you earlier, but uh, I guess I dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> he has that ready every time. <laughs> this is really... I was mad at first, him. but then he had that ball prop, and he dropped the ball. <laughs> really softened the blow. Like, oh, yeah, I guess he did drop the ball, because he literally had a ball in his hand. <laughs> I've gone through your reports on the Paradas. They seem unusually preoccupied with security. Well, they may be a little paranoid, but I suppose we would be, too, if we'd been engaged in a civil war for 12 years. Anything else I should know about them? Any unusual protocols we should observe when they got here? No, nothing too out of the ordinary, it's all pretty much in my report. Now, tell me something that's not in the report. Sir? You know, the kinds of things we don't include in reports, but might help me in these talks. Well, I'd have to give it some thought. Uh, well, there was one thing I noticed. Well, I don't know if it means anything or not, but the Paratus have an odor from some kind of skin excretions, I'd guess. It changes with their moods. When they're upset, it can get pretty strong, actually. Hmm. Well, I'll try not to get them upset. Good idea. Their leaders have been in regular contact. They're real stinky. <laughs> so I have a lot of questions about this. Yeah. Is he just trying to occupy him? Like, why is he going down? Like, or like, is it a, is it an intentional misdirect? Like, what? One thing this made me think is like, oh, are they all? trying to get information from uh o'brien about his mission and so this is this is they're supposed to they're trying to convince us that i this assume is this is like, a holodeck thing right some kind of holodeck thing or they're all fake yeah and they're trying to get information out of him that's what i thought. and and you and you think that that was what they're trying to lure us down the path of no yeah but then if they're not trying to lure us down the path, why are we having why are they writing Cisco to ask these questions? Let's plant some doubt. Like he's asking a lot of questions about the security of this thing and O'Brien is the only one who's trained in their security. So it's like you're just supposed to through O'Brien's eyes you're supposed to be like what? You're just saying writing wise that's the reason they include it. Right. But I'm asking why is Cisco actually asking those questions? That seems like a question he would ask. 
doesn't it? You think so? Yeah. What's now? Tell me what's not in the report. Right. Do you think of it? Oh, interesting. Because like I'm not going to write. Well, they stink a little bit, and when they get mad, in my official uh-huh. report, you know. Right. But like man to man, they fucking reek, bro. You would think that the uh, paradise would uh, would program their clone to not think kind of insulting things about them. Mm, that's true. But the clone is just that good. The upfront work made it done by the engineering crews. So. I have bigger problems for you. Bigger? All three upper pylons are down again. Well, that's impossible. So, in Cisco's mind, he's like, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fuck the pylons up." And that's what they do. That'll keep our clone occupied. Until what? I don't know. But it'll keep him occupied. And they're literally just trying to keep him occupied. Instead of just tranquilizing him and putting him in a fridge. <laughs> I assume they were concerned that he was in contact with the Paradis or the Paradis could scan him or something and see if he was knocked oh, out. Oh, can't be anything that serious. I rebuilt that entire subsystem myself. I'll get on it right away. After your physical. Yes, sir. Oh, by the way, I noticed you and Keiko out in front of the school this morning talking. Is Are you having an affair? Oh, Jake is having some problems with his grades. Oh. I'm sorry to hear that, sir. Keiko's very fond of the boy. I'm sure she'll work that much harder to help him. I'm sure she will. Now look at Cisco's face after... After, oh, this when he looks down at his pad? It's more when he looks up. I know that that's, that's for our benefit as the audience to be like, oh, look at how suspicious Cisco looks in a way that we almost would think, oh, I wonder if he's, he's an imposter of some kind. Because he looks so weird. No, he looks up to go, wow, even that clone knows my son is great. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's very, it's that that's one of my biggest problems with not a big problem with the episode, but in terms of how it's presented, is present in that moment because that is lying to us. Like that is not how Cisco would react. I honestly, that's what I would attribute watching it a second time. <laughs> that's crazy. He's that's thinking, what I would that Oh, I, I'm glad that the clone likes Jake. That's preposterous. Well, that just that just means that 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 O'Brien <laughs> likes Jake. You know, um, I think I will say, he's like happy to hear on the thing you're saying. I do like I don't even know if we've seen them any scenes with with O'Brien. I guess we must have with O'Brien and Cisco sort of just chatting. And it is interesting that he just downshifts immediately into respectful talking to his commander, like kind of flat professional tone. Um, but I I don't just, I don't agree with you. Enlisted man right there. I don't agree with you that he's thinking, oh, it's nice that, that O'Brien likes Jake. I think that he, he's giving some look that's supposed to be pregnant, that's supposed to throw us off the track and go like, oh, maybe Cisco's acting weird. But it doesn't track if you take out that now, that's what, if, what they're trying what to Cisco do. What if Cisco is uh-huh. happy to learn that Keiko is fond of Jake and O'Brien also likes the boy? I don't think he What would his pleased? look be? Um, the same thing. I think it would be a straight smile. He smiles thing. in a in an almost kind of mischievous way. Yeah, 
How is so it? It's why, like a, it's why like does a, that track with him being to himself? He's like, oh, you did it again, Ben. Are you nearly finished? You raising that boy right, Ben? <laughs> I believe you've poked into every orifice in my body and created a few. Already, moments. that's fucking yeah, red flag. Oversleeping, lack of energy. Euphoria? Yes, all of them. Especially euphoria. Lots of euphoria. Seriously. Look, if you were determined to keep me here until you find something wrong with me, I'll see if I can't grow your hangnail. Eye problems. Hearing. Headaches. Headache. There you go. In fact, I'm getting a very bad one right now. Short temper. Flies off the handle under the slightest provocation. And Cisco's gained three pounds. I'm glad you're enjoying this. Sorry, I know how you feel about doctors. It's not doctors I have a problem with. It's you, you Julian. Julian. Well, your sense of humor seems normal enough. I don't have a sense of humor. Cough. Uh, Has a sex surprise life. That I don't that have a sense of humor. O'Brien took him uh, grabbing his balls in, in right. stride as much that as he does. Oh, I think he poked his tummy. Oh, that's what that is? He's asking that's, him to cough. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's doing. <laughs> what are you talking Bashir about? does things weird. What is with you today? <laughs> it's real weird. I am trying to dissect this episode, and all you're doing is being silly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mother and father in good health. Oh, come on, Julian. You knew my mother died two years ago. Did I? What, you don't remember me telling you when my father remarried last spring? Me blathering on about this woman I've never met before? Of course. Now I remember. Are you finished? Not quite. I okay, hold on. First of all, the the balls thing is like I, I feel like this is this is Julian being equal opportunity harasser, not just for men and women, but also he's like, eh, this clone ain't gonna tell anybody he's gonna be dead in a couple of days, so I might as well just hold on to his his uh, his sack for You're way too long. Weird, weird area here. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> you watch that scene. That is a weird scene. I uh, so that's. That's A. Uh, I don't know how long you're... (laughs) Making sure his diaphragm's working correctly. Uh, And then uh, B... You think in in Deep Space Nine time in the year 2387, we still need to hold someone and cough? Hold someone's balls and cough? Uh, Maybe not, but that is a huge stretch for you to then headcanon that he's holding his belly. Not holding, just poking it. (laughs) Poking it. Um, And then B... Uh, so we're, I, I, we're, I'm assuming this information he's talking about his dad having passed away is actual information that O'Brien, that's true of O'Brien. Mm-hmm. So are we saying in this scene that Julian did forget that information because it's being again presented as though it's yeah. like, Oh, Julian, it's suspicious. Julian may not be the real guy. Self-centered because- Julian forgot again about someone else. You know, that's just how that's how you view it now. So that's again a situation where it's not like if that was the real O'Brien talking to Julian, that conversation would have gone exactly the same. Yeah. But they're presenting it as though it's suspicious, and that it it's kind of like the Keiko thing with the coffee. Keiko builds this whole thing of we got to go after him; he's still alive because of this thing about the coffee that turns out to not be true. And by the same token, O'Brien is has decided that he's the fake Julian or is, you know, is he's being pushed in the direction of being suspicious of Julian. No, this is mainly for the audience. 
but it's from O'Brien's perspective, which is our perspective at this point. Hmm. See yourself. <laughs> Weird, weirdly, weirdly uh, con- contradictory, stubborn. Hmm? Two more tests to run. This is insane. I haven't had a physical take this long since I was born. Look, unless I'm you know dying that? or something, I think it's about time. He was born three days ago. Oh. How do you mean? Is that what he means? That? Yeah. Is that what he means? He's that kind of right. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> so you know he's a clone the whole yeah, time? Yeah, no one's that asked. That really changes my read Not, a, not episode, a single person but... has asked. <laughs> He'd happily tell them. And at the end, I guess he's shot before he has to confront. No, I know I'm a clone. <laughs> I was he's, just trying to help. He was actually going to say, tell Keiko I loved tricking all of you. <laughs> Wait. I'm a clone. That's it, isn't it? I mean, there is something wrong with me. Well, that's why everybody seems so strange. Chief. I'm giving you a clean bill of health. You can get dressed. He's acting weird. If he's trying to fool this clone, yeah, he's he acting weird. Yeah, he usually would hide people's uniforms so they can't get dressed and leave. <laughs> that is true. Oh, and take a look at these journals before you go. It proves that I'm a good person. Right? Hey, Chief. <laughs> Hello, Jake. I need a favor. Sure, what is it? I'm working on a subspace transceiver for my science project, but I can't seem to figure out how to get the emitter crystal to work. Subspace transceiver model. I used to build them when I was your age. I'll be glad to help. You don't think it's a conflict of interest or anything? You being married to the teacher. Well, we have to clear it with Keiko, but I don't think she'll mind. Besides, it's a chance to help get those grazy words back up, right? Oh, my grades are great. Just want to keep them that way. My dad has been bad-mouthing me, has he? <laughs> His grades are great. <laughs> this is why I'm, This is a fucking pile of bullshit I'm in here. His grades are great. <laughs> It's all my reality's falling apart, Jake's grades are great. Now I'm really suspicious. Operational <laughs> chief, that's your priority. Understood? Yes, sir. Beep, 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 beep. I wish he, like, I wish they cut to him around the corner and he made more footstep sounds. <laughs> <laughs> he has, he has yeah. one of those old, like, yeah. pieces of wood they used to use in a radio show to go. <laughs> Seems like DeCurtis would have seen him peeking around the corner from there. For sure. But he never looked because he made all those footstep sounds. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's just. Oh, yeah, I think it's here. Maybe go back a second. He's there's a point where Jake is, and it's again. This is clearly an intentional misdirect where he's sitting next to someone in an obtrusive way, and I'm like, "Who's this mook?" And they never say. Maybe it's right after this. Yeah, there. That's a packlet. You're supposed to go. Oh, fun! A packlet. He looks uh, for yeah. things. Yeah. Make him go. That's what you're supposed to do. It's not Packlets like- always wear those gloves, huh? But he's very obtrusively Chief. positioned. Yeah, it's a fun Easter egg. You don't think that's supposed to lend suspicion in some way? No. I think you're supposed to go, oh, Packlid. Is this the right inverter for the subspace transceiver? Like he's not going to get any help from the Packlid? Where'd you get? They're dumb. You know that. I know. But they. Look of course, he's not going to get any help go. from a Packlid. Maybe the. Packlid's, maybe the maybe- Packlid's selling him some, some old tech, you know? 
<laughs> you don't know that for sure. He looks for things to make him go, you know? <laughs> well, Get that this. could be what Jake needs. I haven't seen one of these since I was a kid. I replicated it. I found the design in a really, really old data file in the library program. Really, really old. Oh, I, I didn't mean that. Hey, don't worry about it. Why don't you come back? <laughs> it was like the clone was going to mess up right there. Because, like, really, he was playing it like he was going to fucking clock him. <laughs> I really, really old, huh? I found Punch. the design in a really, really old data file in the library program. Really, really old. Oh, I, I didn't mean that. <laughs> don't worry about it. Why don't you come by my place tonight after dinner and see if we can add the rest of the pieces? Oh, that's great. See You're my new son. Did anything I'm a clone. Unusual happen here in the station <laughs> when I was in the Gamma Quadrant last? Jake, your father's been looking for you. I think he's back in your quarters. It may be important. See you later. Everything under control, Chief? Oh, well, under control, Major. Did it he's seem un-under control? control? I mean, come on. Breath power conduit. I couldn't imagine how it could have occurred so deep in the system, unless someone had broken it deliberately. Hard day? Oh, yeah, you could say that. You want to lie down before dinner? No, Jake's coming over in a little while. I promised to help him with the science project. I like how he's suspicious, but also horny. That's how That's I would played it too. Uh, Commander Sisko just called. Jake can't make it tonight. He isn't feeling well. Well, he's all worked up from his tummy being he's poked. Okay, a few hours ago. Well, you know how it is with kids. He probably just ate too much junk on the promenade after school. But it's Where's all replicated Molly? to be healthy. She's over at the Fredrickson spending the night. Oh. She's not as good at lying as I am. So there's just the two of us then. <laughs> we better eat while the food's still warm. Well, the replicator can keep it warm. I can keep you warm. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy eyes. <laughs> I gotta say, this is the biggest indication of them having healthy marriage that I've seen on the show thus far. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not Is that, you know, well, when, when Molly's out, then, uh, hey, let's, you know, let's mess around. Yeah, I, you know, I also respect the, I'm not in the mood. He's like, all right, we'll eat. Yeah. He seems a little bit. Yeah, but he's still like, all right, we'll eat. What is it? Yeah. Freaking dough stew. <laughs> Why is she making this delicious food for the clone? That's my question. You don't like freaking dough stew. Just extra suspicions. Yeah, but. I just thought you'd appreciate I mean, this is what I mean. There's a lot of shoe leather spent on these moments where it's all to convince us that something is wrong through O'Brien's eyes and the choices are bad. You get so hung up on Deep Space Nine for their red herrings, which of which they have a fuck ton all the time. Uh Uh-huh. And you get mad at them for doing it. I've just accepted it. It's not a... Is this a red herring? Isn't it? Ultimately, what does it mean? I think it's a misstep. I don't think it's a red herring. I think I think it's it's uh, it's the purpose of it is to convince us through O'Brien's eyes that something is suspicious. But as you point out, why does she make something that she wouldn't normally make? 
I guess the idea is she's a bad liar and they're all acting weird because they're bad liars. But it's kind of like, what is this? What? Well, then Bashir's the best liar, right? I mean, he is up until the end. He delivers it in a weird way. He also, I guess he, I guess if we're to assume, but then this is a separate writing problem. If we're to assume that he legitimately forgot that O'Brien's father died, then see you forgot and you were just told his mother died he's not not my friend (laughs) (laughs) um is it the mother it's not the father he was mad remember he was telling this is insane because i'm gonna say the exact same thing o'brien said about the the funeral don't you know him him getting married remarried to a woman he doesn't even know oh that's right (laughs) um this is a wild. That was that was ten minutes ago. You see how well, Bashir had, could have forgotten? It's such yeah, such nonsense minutia. I know it's weirder that he didn't remember because he didn't have an antagonistic person jabbing at him the whole time. <laughs> I'm just t- trying to prove the point that Bashir is not a bad person for forgetting. You just forgot. That's a real person in a real situation. With you're someone. a real I'm person. Yeah, but I'm not. I, that's not my. Those aren't my friends. Chief O'Brien's my friend. He should be. Ask your me if too. your parents are alive, Matt. No. <laughs> A little endive salad, sweet blonde for dessert. Ask me what your parents' names are. How thoughtful of you. You're not having any. I just feel like having salad. Not hungry. I had a late lunch. Keiko never eats late. (laughs) At first, I was like, I had to, I skip back a second to go like, did did she just tell him that was an endive salad, and then put the slop in front of him? That's crazy. And then I was like, oh no, it's a stew. How is it? <laughs> it's all. I like how he doesn't know if. Uh... I haven't eaten a bite. I just don't seem to have an appetite right now. Since you refused to have sex all with me. All I could me. think of as I looked at her was that this was not my Keiko. <laughs> First. She eats a salad late in the day. Then she serves me a meal that I want to eat. Open O'Brien personal log. Playback last sentence. But all I could think of as I looked at her was that this was not my cake. You're right. (laughs) You're right, me. You make a lot of good points, me. Any start date four seven five five zero through four seven five seven one. None from the Gamma Quadrant. No ships arrived from the Gamma Quadrant within time parameters requested. <sighs> I like this part. To every log. I like that he's that he's going. 
bit by bit. <laughs> Stay alert, O'Brien. He's still talking to himself. Drinking his coffee okay, late okay. in the day. Play That's back a clone. Station logs chronologically, starting with Stardate four seven five five zero. Identify which officers' logs are to be included. All officers. Vocal or transcribed. Vocal. Station log. Stardate four seven five. That's five, a long five, road. Mm-hmm. Especially with like the. <laughs> Although O'Brien's really going to appreciate the. Meanwhile, I had a friend aboard. <laughs> Those kinds of things people do in yeah. logs. Well, who Why was it? Just, Why does he just say it? Why are they being so cryptic? Yeah, I got back. Describe the restrictions. Access restricted to level one security clearance. I am level one. Please enter security verification. Access denied. <laughs> he leads it closer to look at the access denied panel. Uh, so I do really like the direction this is taking, where it's like, okay, if you thought something was going on and everyone was either suspicious of you or there was a conspiracy or there was something going on, mm-hmm. what would be the steps that you would take in a logical fashion? So I really like that direction. It's just a little bit inert in terms of the, the 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 level of story, I mean, I'm always talking about story and momentum, but it's sort of just like I like that he's sitting there. I like that he's going through it with a fine tooth comb. I like that he's using his technical abilities because that would be the main advantage that O'Brien would have. Um, but I kind of, you know, what would have been a better turn is if we saw how powerful O'Brien was, and we kind of do with him getting away with the shuttle. But we saw how powerful O'Brien was by truly taking over the station um, and kind of like, yeah, if O'Brien put his mind to it, you'd all be fucked. Like kind of that kind of thing and that they all really have to go an extra mile to, to beat him. Um, that would at least add well, a do, little bit more stakes. Him. They don't beat him. Don't he gets, away with, he gets him. away with a roundabout. He gets away with a runabout, but then he they doesn't, catch up. He doesn't, they don't catch up with him. He catches up with them. He gets the drop on them. Doesn't he... Don't they He hides. Eventually? They can't find him. They dro- drop into a synchronous orbit on the planet and beam down. And oh, then and he then he goes, drops yes, down, beams yeah. down, too. Right. Right. Anything I can help you with, Chief? No, I'm just making sure these upper pylons are in working condition by morning. Is that your fifth line? Sure is. Yeah, what about his his theme? He doesn't get one. Oh, there were several traps Curtis. laid into the computer subroutine. No doubt to let someone know if I'd penetrated their security lockout. I wasn't fooled for a minute and released the protected files without any Filled. problem. And reanalyzing everything I'd put into my report about parade and security. They'd even broken into my personal logs to see what they could find in there. Personal. I hope they enjoyed reading the sexy letters to my wife. There were several entries. That's another indication. Messages is, from the Parada system. A but no indication. Hot relationship. I mean, look, it is what it is. And it's, and it <laughs> it is means nothing. <laughs> Aside from Jake, not one of them was. And also, like, 
this turn I liked a lot. That Odo's Odo like off. fucking fully on board. Uh huh. Odo's a great liar. And then no, he's not. He he and, fooled me. He doesn't know anything here. He was off the station. No way. They would have yes, told a thousand Odo. Percent. A thousand no. percent. Odo's you on think board. He's just, you think he's just filled in later? Yes. So that that's why in the next scene he acts weird. Oh, that seems crazy that they wouldn't let him know in I'm advance. I'm not sure who we can trust on the station at this point. Do any of them know you're suspicious? Probably. I've asked a few questions, been a few places that might have tipped them off. They'll be keeping close tabs on me. I'd call Starfleet, but what do I tell them? My wife doesn't seem like my wife. Cisco's been making security arrangements without consulting me. They might. The even doctor held me nutsack too long. About you. Well, that's what I was afraid of. Now, when are the paradas due? Thirty-eight hours. Mm-hmm. I don't want them coming anywhere near this place until we get this cleared up. Agreed. Go I on think about Odo looks different don't in this episode. I wonder if they fussed with his makeup a little bit. In the meantime, I'll do some investigating. If I can confirm your suspicions, we can go to Starfleet and the Bajoran authorities at the same time. I'm glad you're back, Odo. We'll get to the bottom of this. See, I think that's Odo literally like going, okay, here's what we'll do. Yes, it could be either way, but this is another part of the problem I have with this episode. You never know it's not what's going on. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's the way I see it. That's it. Don't you know that about Star Trek? <laughs> that you're always right? No, that I just I just know always what they meant. Had for a long time. I finally had an ally. Now all I had to do was wait. I like to think I'm a man with many talents, but waiting isn't one of them. I had to cover my bets, prepare myself for whatever might happen next. I still had a few tricks up my sleeve. They do show him to be a badass, and that's awesome with him making the weapons and and breaking the systems and all that stuff. That's great. I just, I just wish there was more of a th- threat to the station or something. What? what are you a- talking about? I mean, this is a man who's trying to get his wife and child back. What stakes do you need? That never seemed to come into it. He's decided these That's people are fake. That's not my wife. Yes, but that, he never said, I got to figure out where the uh, the real Keiko and Molly are. He never says that once. He just casually gets on a on a shuttle and flies away. It's not implied. <laughs> it's not implied. Mm. of the high numbers 194 I think Quark definitely doesn't know you'll have to find out about the paradas from someone else Odo to O'Brien go ahead can I see you in my office on my way (laughs) I see what you mean what did you find out sit down how much do you know about the Paradin rebels? Oh, don't ask me to explain the politics of the situation. But I know they've been fighting the government forces for 12 years. Why? I'm just trying to understand the players involved here. Odo, Cisco's logs indicate that secret messages have been coming from the Parada system. Could those messages have been from the rebels? As a matter of fact, they were. But that's already a breach of the security agreement we signed with the Paradin government. And it's a good enough reason to cancel these peace talks. That still might be premature. 
What are you talking about? We've got more than enough. They got to you. Don't be ridiculous. I'm just trying no, to... No, they did. They got to you. All right, let's have a little talk. Who the hell are you? We don't want to hurt you. Yeah, this one... Just hypo spray up. Like, if you're going to come in there and, like... We're, let's all surround O'Brien with phasers. Well, maybe they're afraid to play devil's advocate that they're like, well, if they phaser him, then that will signal the Paradins. Then why would they approach him with phasers? Because they just want to contain him. Well, then why would that- they try to do that in a calm and reasonable manner? Maybe they were listening to this conversation and they're like, uh, he, the jig is up, so we just got to fucking point the phasers at him and hold him until we find the real O'Brien. These are all, Don't they already these know are all headcanoning. What? Don't they already know where the real O'Brien is? I, I feel like they don't. I feel like that was the reason, but I could be wrong. I we'll disagree. find out. Soon. I think they do because the other, the, the Parada have him and are monitoring him. I understand that, but I don't know that they know where he is exactly. The Parada have to... What do you mean? He's behind the door. When they beam in. You mean when they beam down to the planet? Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't think they, at this point in the show, know where he is yet. I disagree, because otherwise, how else would the Parada government convey to them that they have a replacement (laughs) O'Brien on board? A replicated O'Brien. I don't remember how they have that information. Is it from an informant? Yes. I don't know what you're arguing. They I'm not arguing. I'm uh, well. I'm not. I'm saying that they they know where O'Brien is, the real O'Brien, at this point. How long do you think they've known? The whole time. And they? Why haven't they just gone and rescued him then? What do you mean? If they know where the real O'Brien is, why don't they haven't they just rescued him before now? I think because they don't know what to do with this guy. Well, who cares what they do with this guy? I've said from the beginning they should have knocked this guy out the second he got back. Yeah, but that that means my theory makes more sense, which is they don't know where O'Brien is yet, and that's why they don't want to mess with this guy because they don't know if it's going to alert. Then why them. do they head exactly to O'Brien at the end? Because then they find out somehow. I don't remember how. I think Abel will find out soon. I love this. I love that he has a flash bomb, like a ninja. I love that he kills that guy and avoids a phaser blast. Yeah, he's a real badass. It's very impressive. That's the clone, though. He's imbued with special abilities. (laughs) Is he superpowered? Oh, that's nice. Well, at least the clone is using his superpowers. (laughs) Something isn't normal around here. Your dad, the others... Something's happened to them. You and I are the only ones who can help. Jake Sisko to security. He's here. Level H2, Section 5. It'll be okay. Just surrender to them and you'll be fine. I mean, they'll probably incinerate you because you're a clone. But other than that, it'll be fine. Running, running, running. Ends up on a shuttlecraft. No intention of doing that. You will not be allowed to leave. I, re- <laughs> I like that Cisco's on this hunt. He had just approached him with a phaser. Uh-huh. And suddenly he decides, you know what, I'm just going to go back to office and sit in my chair. While everyone's <laughs> on the hunt for O'Brien. <laughs> It'll lend me more authority. Systems, you'll find that the mooring clamps are already unlocked. 
and your tractor beams are offline. O'Brien out. And I put some treats in your Shields up. locker. I know you're going to gobble them up. The shields holding computer. Shields at 71%. Warning. Shields at 49%. Transfer emergency life support power to shield generators. Transfer complete. Shield status. Shields at 93%. That's a big boost to the shields they get just from the life support, the emergency life support. Heading 41 mark 330. Confirmed. Computer, open a subspace channel to Starbase 401. Priority one, Admiral Rollman. I like how Admiral Rollman already knows that he's a clone. <laughs> I know. I feel like Admiral Rollman plays sort of it wrong. She plays it completely conspiracy. like antagonistic. I believe it has something to do with the parade and peace talks. Listen to me very carefully. Return to DS9 immediately. You Admiral, stupid you clone. Understand. I believe Commander Sisko and all of the senior officers have fallen under the influence of something. Turn that- the ship around and go back. You will not be harmed. I mean, no one... People should play along, you know? You mean just play it cool? Go like, oh my god, that's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, 100%. Head head to Starbase 401 immediately. They're all terrible liars. Adjust course to approach Parada 4. Confirmed. How many moons around Parada 4? Seven. What's the best vacation spot? Display coordinates. Approaching the Parada system. Drop to impulse. You sure you don't want to come to a dead stop in the right in front of wherever you want to be? Because that's what they do now. <laughs> Perfect. How much time have they made up on us? At current speed, the Mekong is two minutes, one second behind this vessel. Just speed to let them catch up to us in 30 seconds. Dropping to point four impulse. Come on, I'm waiting for you. Warning, entering polar magnetic field. Sensors will be non-functional for 27 seconds. Switch to manual navigation. Switching. Computer, full impulse. Engage. Confirmed. Manual navigation in effect. Later, door. Shut down all engines. All main power systems. Maintain silent running status. Confirmed. I guess I like this. I like seeing him work through it. Where did I go? Step by step. Now you see me, now you don't. What's it going to be, fellas? Both as a strategist and an engineer. The best of them. No time for games, huh? Computer, identify Mekong's new heading. Four one, mark two zero one. Probable destination. Parada two. Parada two. What's on Parada two? Specify parameters. Computer, monitor all transporter activity to and from the Mekong. Mekong transporter has been energized. Are they beamed to the surface? Confirmed. How many people? Three people. Anyone left on board? Negative. Put us in a course for Parada 2. Take us into synchronous orbit above their location on the surface.
having a little unscheduled negotiation with the rebels, are we? You don't understand. Put down your weapons, and we'll explain. No. I've got a better idea. You put down yours first. I like how he's also still carrying a phaser. He's ready to go double. Yeah. He's in a battle situation. Do it! You too. Everything you need to understand is behind this door. Yeah. Like a squadron of rebels, maybe, huh? No. If you just permit me... Just stay where you are. Listen to him. He's not your enemy. We're not your enemy. No. Please. This will explain everything. What is the, I don't what is the alien trying to do? Like, after he sees the real O'Brien? And... Doctor, we need you. I, t- I told him we could just open the door, and he I shot him. <laughs> He's perfect. <laughs> Went for the door, and so I, you know, I just I, shot, I killed him. Yeah. That was when I, I killed o- him. I wish O'Brien was like, isn't he a little heavy? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a perfect clone, is it? Look at the bags under his eyes. We believe there was some triggering device programmed into him that would take over during the peace talks. The government scientists have learned how to do remarkable things with replicants. Well, what was he programmed to do? We're not entirely sure. Assassinate someone at the peace talks, we think. Perhaps our entire delegation. They were tipped off by one of the informants in their government. There was a rumor that you'd been abducted and replaced by a replicant. We've had people looking for you ever since. There was no way to prove he wasn't you. He passed a physical exam with flying colors, and he sure knew his way around the station. I had more warriors attached to my head than he could count. <laughs> now I know why. We were trying to shut him out of every sensitive security area while they were searching for you. He must have wondered what the hell was going on with all of us. By the time we'd learned of your rescue, he'd already gotten away from us and was on his way here. I wonder why he was mm. coming so back. So I find it on the way on the way to the planet. Yes. Conveniently. On the way to the <laughs> exactly where they're headed. He's being held. That's correct. <laughs> if it were me, I'd be trying to warn somebody there was something wrong at the station. Maybe in a strange sort of way. He was trying to be a hero. He was. Idiot. You dumb shit. Not a a strange sort of way. That's exactly what he was trying to do. Okay, cool. Maybe in some weird way, his obligation was to the truth. (laughs) What about her? Tell her. I'm sorry I never got to have sex with her. I love endive salads. Well, so much for the clone. We better wrap this up now. We'll see you later. We'll never mention it again. It's this is the other thing. It's very sad because it's told from the clone's point of view, and I think it's supposed to be sad. But it's like, but the whole time was spent in kind of a weird plot where he's there's not that much threat. So it's sort of a Loki. What do you mean? There's consp- not that much threat. There's a Loki. It's a Loki conspiracy. To plot. O'Brien, there's a huge threat. O'Brien thinks the the very 
You mean to to replicant O'Brien? Yeah. He thinks that everyone has been taken over by some malevolent force. The malevolent force would have been a great statement. They never go there. What do you mean? He goes there he when he of, tries to reach out to the admiral. Even the thing that he says to the admiral is kind of like, I think something's going on. It's kind of like, yeah, there's they're being influenced, or there's some there's like no specificity. There's nothing, you know. There's no real. I don't know. It's you just think, very low. You think the clone O'Brien played it too cash? <laughs> I think that I'm. I in terms of, I think it's a really brilliant idea and i think they handle it mostly okay but it's like it's just sort of slow and i just want more out of this episode it's a great idea that doesn't pay off in a big way i like it because it explores o'brien's character without actually having to involve o'brien weirdly i agree with that i agree with that but i kind of would want like the the stuff about the you know uh, the the, uh, the amount of bone <laughs> that Keiko and O'Brien do, and he's always writing her sexy letters and everything. That's all great. I kind of want a little bit more of that. Not that specifically, but you know, just like, oh, this is this character is revealing stuff about O'Brien, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really. It's not really happening because everybody else is acting weird, and he's so preoccupied with them. But he's not even like, he doesn't even make his decision and then you progress from there and so you have the exciting conspiracy plot until late. This is real slow. All right. Well, that's a little taste, everybody, of what Andy might think of this episode. But before he does that... Are you saying I'm a replicant? We have to play the uh, MVC situation. We gotta, we gotta sort that out. That's true. That many who's the MVC. Well, it's the MVC. Will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kira Reese? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's O'Brien, Bashir, and even Quark. And don't forget about Aldo. You know what's funny? I was just thinking. It's like I could only do this podcast when I checked to make sure that Dory wasn't leaving for the concert before I would wrap it up. Uh-huh. Ironically, not knowing that you were also trying to leave for the concert. Oh, wild! Yeah. Okay, now the MVC of this episode. I mean, who is it? Who is it? guess it's it's not o'brien i don't think it's clone o'brien because everything he does is irrelevant <laughs> why is it jake because he alerts the people about that he's because he gets good grades uh-huh. you know his grades are great he's trying to keep them that way you know bashir couldn't even tell the difference between a replicant and the real thing that's an amazing technology by the way mm-hmm. um And it's all the things about where who found O'Brien, what the rumors were, what the actual threat was. It's all left vague. So it's like hard to tell who even was instrumental in. Because that's the real thing is saving O'Brien. 
It's a shame it's not O'Brien because O'Brien really does make some incredible moves in this episode. I think it is O'Brien. It's have, it's clone. You have to give it's to clone O'Brien. O'Brien. You're gonna give it to regular O'Brien for having the brains to give to clone O'Brien. But those th- those brains didn't accomplish anything. <laughs> He's definitely smart and competent. Those brains were gonna be the hero. They were gonna be the hero, but they weren't <laughs> because that alien shot him. I don't. I don't. I don't personally don't care who the MVC is here because it's of, almost. It's almost like it's an inconsequential episode that you would say you don't you wouldn't recommend them watching. I would give it to O'Brien because I think he is I mean that clone is operating as O'Brien. He's operating as O'Brien. Yeah. But he we I think generally speaking, we don't give points for intent. We give points for success, which is maybe unfair, but but if if you want to play, you know, obviously you're you're free to play it however you want. You know, what about O'Brien getting captured and rescued? I almost might give it to Keiko because she had to endure the most weirdness, but she does a bad job of lying to him. Who does the best job of lying to him? That is a good question. Bashir. Probably probably Bashir. Probably Bashir. Maybe Cisco. And he yeah. seems to be tending to the injured real O'Brien at the end. Unless that is true. He also, but but Bashir s- fails to save the the replicant. I guess I'll give it to Cisco. Cisco seemed to organize all this and prevent some some I larger problem from happening. I think Cisco did a bad job. I'm giving it to O'Brien. Why do you think Cisco did a bad job? Because it ended up with the clone dying. Yeah, but they don't. They clearly don't give a fuck about the poor replicant. I think they do. That's why they say he won't be harmed. They stress that. Well, uh, all right. Then who is it? Plus, they care enough to let him go home to his his fake wife and child. (laughs) Well, he did that to keep O'Brien alive. This is a really tough one. There's no indicator (laughs) that they need to keep the clone alive to keep O'Brien alive. That's Uh just a made-up thing. Look, if you're talking about just the pure idea of who's the most valuable, it's definitely O'Brien was proved proved to be the most valuable Thank you. in this episode. But he is not the most valuable to this plot, and that is usually what we judge it on. I disagree. Um, I disagree, because inherently, if, it, if it's not O'Brien that gets cloned, if it's like Bashir, does Bashir go to the effort to try to warn everyone? Does Bashir suss it out as quickly? That no, something's that's maybe, off. Does Maybe. Cisco suss it out that quickly? Like it's like this. This that's the question well, to me. Cisco might. Odo definitely. He would. might. He might. But O'Brien does, and O'Brien is the character here that we're most concerned with. I'm giving him the MVC. You can give it to Cisco for being Cisco. It's just managing for forgetting to tell his son. He didn't forget. Chief to of operations <laughs> is fucking. Oh, actually, yeah, you may be right. He did forget. <laughs> Who knows? He either forgot or he did thought, it, you know, keep shield his son from the truth, which that's not great either. Ugh, it's a tough one. I give it to Cisco. Okay. Cisco How many Andy's does this episode get? I guess I already kind of gave my. my I like it more than Andy does for sure. I'm going to give it a seven. Seven? Very I think it's a high. very cool premise. And I Were think you that it's executed it? pretty well. I, I, I well, the I idea of that. like telling it from the POV of the 
body snatcher who doesn't know they're a body snatcher is very interesting to me. That and is the ability to do it with a character that we know yeah. exists. Yeah. And see through their eyes of the like we're watching it through the person that doesn't know they're a fucking you know. Yeah. That's interesting. Conceptually, I don't disagree. I, I think, think rewatching is... the episode, it even got better. Interesting. That I don't agree with. Conceptually, I uh, I do I I do agree, and it, it is going to make me give a little bit more. And there is the question, but it's like entertainment wise, I was just like not really enjoying the episode, even though conceptually I agree with you. It does seem unfair. You were curious to find out what was going, what, what what the fuck was going on. I didn't know what was going on, so I didn't. But you care. weren't curious about it. Oh, I wasn't curious. Is that your question? Yeah, I was curious, but it felt like the moves weren't happening in a way where it was like I was intrigued. That's what it is. It's like when you're watching a mystery, and this is this is you know why Agatha Christie is kind of good is you're interested in that detective's brain. And I'm interested in some of the moves that O'Brien's making, but I, they don't they don't have me gripped on the mystery because it's sort of slow and meandering. And I guess, well, it's probably some sci-fi pretense here. It's either he's a clone or it's it's a conspiracy or it's he's in a holod- holodeck kind of thing where they're trying to get information out of him or whatever. But it's just this slow plotting thing where I'm like waiting for something larger to happen. Now, after the re- reality is revealed... Then I'm like, well, it feels like that would have been more interesting for the clone to know earlier, which ironically they do later. Um, So I don't know. It feels unfair to give it below a five because. But you didn't like any of it. Well handled. Yeah. You don't want people to watch it. So I'm going to give it a 4.5. There you go. Be true to yourself. That way we know you're not a clone. <laughs> All right. And he's going to can't help but be true to himself. My number one duty is the truth to himself. To myself. 